noodling. That's when you like dip your breadstick in the leftovers after fettuccine Alfredo, right? Noodling. Noodling is when you go find a hole along the bank and stick yeah, your hand right. in for a catfish, <laughs> Catch a catfish and you pull it out and say, look at this one. <laughs> That's noodling. Oh That's noodling, man. <laughs> I've seen people do that. I'm it's looking crazy. it up. You'll see Scott down there underneath the bridge. I'm not sticking my hand nowhere. Heck no. Nope. I'm not going to let it Not always back. a catfish. It's, I'm not going to lose my fingers. The most loving thing that I can do being called to preach is to preach God's word faithfully, to give you God's word faithfully. And the most loving thing I think a church can do for their pastor, which we're going to talk about in the next episode, but is to allow the preacher to do that, Mm. to give him time to do that well and to see that act as loving. Welcome and greetings today. This is Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. And uh, together here with you listening and uh, sitting around the table with my brothers here today, we want to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Sitting around the table are my... uh, my uh, brothers in the Lord right around here, Pastor Tim, lead pastor of MMBC, Scott Slater, family pastor, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor here at the church here in Monroe. So guys, as we think about preaching, we realize there's a lot of different viewpoints on this. Let's start with this. Is preaching outdated? Do we need to move on to something different? Why don't we show just a movie or do something different than preaching? Why do we still preach or is it outdated? It's not outdated. Okay. We still do it because, I mean, it's kind of hard to get into this conversation without having first defined yeah. preaching. But, I mean, one of the main things you're doing when you're preaching is is teaching. And uh, it's not outdated because you still need to teach people Scripture uh, bring it before them and explain what it means, apply it to their specific scenario. So like your example, like why not just show a video or a movie? Well, um, those are very limited uh, in what they're able to do. They might be able to communicate big, overarching things about what uh, a certain passage of the Bible can do for you in your life. But in a local church, in a local church setting where your pastor is preaching a sermon, he has specifically crafted that sermon to apply to you in your setting, in your town, in your church's culture and context. Uh, and so um, so preaching, in a sense, is a way to uh, very specifically create a message from God's Word uh, that is for the people it's being delivered mm-hmm. to. So it's, very, it's supposed to be very specific to those people, if that makes sense. That's so, just one aspect. So what is preaching, then? You, you mentioned about we need to define it. What would, how would you define preaching? That's really hard because um, there's so many facets to it. But I would say preaching at the bare minimum is taking a passage of Scripture of the Bible, God's Word. So if you're not using the Bible, you're not preaching. Uh, explaining what it means and applying it to the people who are listening to it. I think that's a very basic definition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you... 
take any of that part out, you're no longer preaching. Right. So if, if you're not using the Bible, you're not preaching. If you're not explaining what the Bible means, you're not preaching. If you're not applying it, you're not preaching. Right, right. So preaching, um, when we look in the Bible, preaching isn't just my opinion about something, right? You mentioned it's taking it from the Bible. Mm -hmm. So preaching is not just my thoughts today for you. Correct. Um, preaching is not anybody's opinion or the church's opinion on this or that matter. Correct. Preaching is, um, teaching, but it's also, it's, it's proclamation, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's an official, um, it's, it's almost like, a, it's a heralding, um, an ambassador, um, who is sent from somebody to proclaim and broadcast publicly the truth about something. And in this case, it's someone who is sent to proclaim publicly um, the truth about Jesus Christ crucified and risen, right? That's what Christian preaching is about. It's the job of the preacher to publicly proclaim, to announce to everyone that he comes into contact with within the preached setting, the forgiveness of sins to all men. And it's his job to publicly proclaim the condemnation and the guilt of all people to, to all people in Adam. Um, so it, it's proclamation. It's official too, right? I think this is important because sometimes I notice preaching can sometimes devolve into like just a TED talk or it can devolve into just yeah, like... Motivational. Yeah, a speaking. motivational thing yeah. or it's like we're just having a conversation together. And what happens is, is it actually loses the fact that this is, don't get me wrong, but I think in some ways, um, maybe preaching is supposed to be more akin of the status of like giving like the state of the union. Hmm. It's an official proclamation by God's messenger about a message from God's book. Hmm. It's official. It's not just some loosey goosey little motivational talk. It's formal. Yeah. It's not conversational. It's authoritative, mm -hmm. right? Um, which I think a lot of people don't like the idea of authoritative proclamation because we don't trust authorities at all anymore. Media, political, anybody. Yeah. Um, so it's the official proclamation of God's word. Tim, what are your thoughts on what preaching is? I think it's awesome. <laughs> no, I think what you guys are saying are are right. I mean, there's been many books written just to answer that question of what is preaching, why is it, why is it still important? Um, stuff I'm sure we'll get into, get into more. But yeah, I mean, preaching's not a not a lecture. It's not a TED talk. It's not a conversation necessarily with. The listener, um, I think when a sermon is prepared, the listener is in mind. You are mm -hmm. kind of thinking about who's going to be listening. You're thinking about where you're at. and all, You're thinking about all these different things, but you're, you're taking God's Word, a section of God's Word, and you're trying to expound on that. What is, what is being said here? What is the truth in it for us? How, does it, how is it speaking to our hearts? You know, what has God done mm -hmm. here? Who is God in, these, in this passage? All these big really big questions, and you're trying to, to lay that out in a way that um, people can be impacted by it, but also people can remember it, people can grow. So there's, there's a lot that goes on in a sermon, a lot of things that God does in using a sermon that needs to be thought about when you're preaching. So we talked about already the connection between the Bible and 
preaching? How does reading the Bible publicly, like we just talked about um, in the uh, last episode of the podcast, we talked about the public reading of Scripture. How does the public reading of Scripture lead to the preaching and the explaining and the teaching of the Bible? Mm-hmm. What's that relationship there? Well, I mean, I think like we said last time with uh, Philip in the, in the eunuch, right? He hears this guy reading a passage out of Isaiah and comes to them and says, do you know what you're reading? And his response was very simple. How, how can I mm-hmm. unless somebody tells me? Right, and so as we, I think one of the fears of reading God's word publicly and not expounding on it is they're going to take it in all these crazy directions. It's not true because, mm-hmm. as you know, if you just read one small portion of scripture and just read it at that and don't know what's around it and study it, it can go in some crazy places where people will take it. Um, and so there is that fear, right, that we that we have. And so then the answer is, well, we want to. We want to teach on it. We want to explain. It needs to be. It needs to be explained well, so that everybody can know what it's saying here. Mm-hmm. And also, like reading the Bible holds the preacher accountable. I think. Sure. Because whenever you're reading the the passage, particularly a large passage of scripture, it's a much harder for the preacher just to pull one verse and just finagle it to however he wants. Yeah. Whenever we're publicly reading the text, the preacher is forced to be a servant to the word and not a Lord over the text. Um, and so it actually serves the people whenever the ri- scripture is read at an extensive length, length to some extent. And then so that way when the preacher comes to exposit that text, he's held accountable. And also it grounds the sermon mm-hmm. in the scripture. Yeah. Um, There's a song, Matt, what's the song that I always say I'd like to have sung before I preach every speak, time? Speak, O Lord. Yeah, the Speak, O Lord song, you mm-hmm. know that? And it's mm-hmm. just talking about how you're approaching his word now, mm-hmm. and we want to hear from you, and um, that is very true. And, you know, as we read his word, we want to hear from him, and even in the sermon, we want to hear from him, right? Not yeah. from man. I, I like that song. Just It does kind of what you're saying, too. It's just the accountability aspect mm-hmm. of yeah. there's a, a great weight mm-hmm. that is needs to be on the preacher at this moment because of what's getting ready to take place. Right, right. Every And it's a somber reality, but every time the word is read, every time the preacher preaches, every single person in the church is either closer to heaven or closer to hell. Right. Mm-hmm. And God is using that word one yeah. way or the other. Yeah, I've I mean, said it. It's a it, daunting reality. I can't remember. It might have been as we were preaching through Galatians. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But where I, I said this numerous times in sermons, a decision will be made today. Yeah. Like you are making a decision. And the weight of that on me, I just felt like this heavy weight, like yeah. wanting everybody to make the right decision because you are making a decision. Mm-hmm. Whether you choose to make no decision, That's you just decision. made your decision. Yeah. And the answer was no. You know, right. I mean, it's either yes or it's no. And mm. yeah, it's very, uh, very weighty, I think, each time we get in the pulpit and preach. Mm. Yeah. And part of that is because one of my favorite um, books on preaching uh, is uh, is called Spirit Empowered Preaching by I don't know his first name, but his last name's Azurdia, I think. Okay, is that Arturo? Art, Arturo, yeah, Azurdia. Yeah. Yep. So yep. he's no longer in ministry, uh, but this book is very helpful. But one of the things he brings up about the burden that a preacher feels when they get up to preach is kind of what you're talking about, Tim. Is that we know that from this sermon that is being prepared we're trying to get people to 
to listen to what is being said, to make, whether it's make a decision to obey it or to live by it or to be changed by the truth that's in it. But we as the preacher have no ability to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So we've been given a task by God that we have no ability to do ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to rely on the Word to do the work and the Holy Spirit through the power of the Word to do that work. And so it's a, it's a very heavy burden to yeah. Plead with people as much as you can, but have no ability to change their mind. Yeah, I think the best example I feel is like with our kids. I think everybody can feel that with their own kids. If they're trying to disciple their children, if they're trying to do any sort of like discipleship with their children, that thing of like, I just nailed this lesson to my kids. Like, they are going to now be able to explain (laughs) what this means because I totally nailed that. And then the next day, you're like, hey, do do you remember our? What we talked about yesterday? What? Dinner? We had dinner? You know, it's like, oh, and it's just so frustrating. But it but also as a parent, you care. Right. And you're like, I yeah. want you to know the great grace of our God. Like I want you to be in love with him more than anything else. Like that is what I desire for you. Do it. Come on, do it. But you realize as a parent, like I can't mm. force this. Mm-hmm. God has to work in their hearts, yeah. like he had yeah. to work mine. And it can be very yeah. hard. And yeah. I think it's the same kind of feeling yeah. pastoring or preaching. Mm-hmm. You know. So in the same sense that we've already said that apart from the reading of the word, the preacher has no authority. Also, apart from the word, the preacher has no power. Mm -hmm. The power is in the word and the Holy Spirit using that word. And so that's why preaching has to be so connected to Mm -hmm. Scripture itself. Um, And that's that's the reason why a lot of preaching doesn't have power is because it's not connected to the word. And I think that what we're getting here talking about right now is what a term that we would use, which is called expository Mm -hmm. preaching, which means that the, the preaching must be taking what is in the Bible's text and pulling it out. Mm-hmm. We don't put anything into the Bible. We don't make something else outside right. of the Bible. But expositing, we're trying to pull out from the text what is already there in the Scriptures. Um, and I think that's one of the things, too, about reading the Bible that's so important publicly, and it ties into preaching, is because our preaching is meant to exposit Scripture, not the Scripture meant to exposit our sermon. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can we can be it, it's wrong, but we can have a sermon in search of a text, and that's not right. Mm-hmm. So just thinking about our audience of people that will be listening to this podcast, Spencer, to clarify what you mean by expository preaching and the differences between that and say other kinds of preaching, could you give some examples, some further examples of other kinds kinds of preaching that are common? Well, I, I would I would highlight that expository preaching can be done in different ways. Right. Yeah. You, you can preach. Sure. They call so, so expository preaching for me. Or I think expository preaching. All I mean by that is you're not preaching your own ideas. You're pulling it from the text of scripture. Now you can you can be expository while at the same time maybe a message is topical. But it's going to be pulling the text of Scripture. What do you mean by topical, though? To so, like, those. you may be preaching a top. So, you might be saying, "Today, we're going to talk about marriage," but you may not have one single pas- passage yeah. of Scripture. You're yeah. saying we're not going to focus on just one mm-hmm. passage. We may be pulling from all sorts of passages, yeah. and that to me is still expository, as long as you're pulling it from the text. An example of would be like during Advent. We right. usually focus on faith, hope, love, and peace. Like those are usually the four things we focus on during the Advent season. And so you could say that's topical. Like we want our message to be about faith. What Mm -hmm. what does faith mean? And each year you might go back and say, man, you're using like a different passage each time. Shouldn't you be at the same thing if you're going to be, you know, um, expositing it correctly? And it's like, well, 
can still mm-hmm. do this the right way and be topical here. Um, so, th- I mean, that's just an obvious time mm-hmm. to me where almost, we're almost always topical, mm-hmm. but we still mm-hmm. want to do that yeah. correctly. Yeah. So, like, a, an example that's not expository preaching would be a pastor thinking to themselves that week, you know what, today I want to talk about uh, overcoming. Yeah, I want to talk about overcoming. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Where in the Bible can I go to right. figure out overcoming? Mm-hmm. You know, right. overcoming your your battles. Your, right. Oh, look, the story of David and Goliath. Yeah. You know, so like, or having an idea. Basically, what you said, Spencer, is the drive behind that sermon was an idea that you had, mm-hmm. and so then you go searching for a place in the Bible to support what you wanted mm-hmm. to say. Right. Or like during this pandemic, I've heard some horrible topical sermons. Yeah. Because they were trying to relate the coronavirus or the pandemic to something in scripture, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so the Bible might say something about like uh, Peter being in jail and just like you in your home, you're in jail right now, you know, and you can't get out, but just like Peter is freed, you know, Mm -hmm. you can be freed of your prison and you will be. And that's like, what? Yeah. (laughs) And so the pastor's talking about. Yeah. And so just to explain (laughs) the reason that that is not an expository sermon is because what what you failed mm-hmm. to do is take that passage of Peter in prison and use it to try to understand what the original author who wrote that passage is trying right. to get across mm-hmm. and then explain that to people right. and apply it to your present right. situation. Right. That would be an expository mm-hmm. sermon. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I've heard, I think I had one friend in, in Kazakhstan and he talked about how like their pastor, I don't know, maybe it was whenever he went on a diet and of course, that was what the church was about. I don't know if the whole church went dieting then or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. it was a prosperity gospel church. And I think one time he said there was a message, and he like went to the store to go pick up paint, and that was the message then. Just him talking about his experience. Yeah. So and that that's not expository preaching, right? That's your experience. That's you just pulling. So stuff. that's a great sign. I think one of the first things people need to understand when when, when listening to a sermon, like, is this a good sermon or is this a bad sermon? First way to tell if it's a bad sermon, how many stories are being told? How many, you know, examples are being given of their life or this and that? If it's a lot, probably not a good sermon. I don't need to hear about this person's life. I don't need to hear stories about their week. Even if they're saying it applies, like if that's all you're talking about, then you're probably Mm -hmm. not doing a good job of pulling out what scripture is saying is saying here. And I've heard that before, you know, where somebody reads a passage, they might even be going through a book and they read a passage and then they go off into this, maybe they make one point from the passage of something that's relatively close, and then they're mm-hmm. talking about their week and how it applied and this and that, and then next thing you know, you're kind of closed, and all you remember are a bunch of stories. Bad sermon. Like right. Bad, 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 bad. Right. That's just your opinion, your experience. Um, that doesn't have the, um, the authority of the Word of God does it. I mean, Al- Alistair Begg says, expository preaching always begins with the text of Scripture. So the, the Bible is not like our ending point. It's the starting point, and it's the middle, and it's going to be the end. Like, hopefully, our sermons are nothing but just simply making plain what the Bible already says. That's our goal. We're not supposed to invent anything. Making the plain things the main things. That's right. Alistair says that to all the time. <laughs> We're not, but it's comforting as right? a pat, as somebody who preaches to know that I don't have to come up with things because even some of the schools I went to put a lot of weight on the pastor of if you don't nail the title of your sermon, it's going to fail. And it needs to be flashy. It needs to catch their eye. Right. Like, so all of a sudden, I'm trying to come up with these titles, 
and I was struggling with that, and I'm thinking, I'm failing. Right. I'm not good at this, you right. know, or your points have to be all the same letter. Right. You know, we've talked about that or, yeah. or they need to rhyme or whatever, whatever right. the case, the case might be. And I was never good at that. Right. Like I was like, I don't, I don't see that here. Mm-hmm. These are the three things I see in the passage. You just told me to grab like bang, bang, bang. They don't rhyme. They right. don't, you know, they don't, um, I'll have the same letter or whatever. Right. I don't, can't think of some good title with it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not that creative, but this is what it says. Right. 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 This is the truth of it. And, to me now, I mean, a little more experience, like that's what I would rather have. Right. Most of my sermons do not have titles to the chagrin probably of Pastor Matt because he has to come up with them later. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, right. it's like whenever it's easy. Verse, the title of this sermon verse. is Romans chapter 13. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny, right? Because God, whenever he was uh, giving us the scriptures, didn't really title the epistles and the the gospels. It's just yeah, like, the bold letters hey, that we have in our Bible weren't the there. gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, I mean, like that's just yeah, the flash and the pizzazz um, is actually uh, oftentimes a, a cover for something that's pretty empty behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, whenever we get up to preach as pastors, we no, we're, we're pastors, and that can be one of the dangers is you get pastors together and all they want to talk about is preaching. It's kind of like a you know, if you get somebody who's into uh, some other common kind of work, they think their job is the most important thing in the world because they'll sit around and talk about it. But when someone gets up to preach, they can't just preach whatever they want. What should be the central focus of any sermon? Christ. Yeah. I would, I would say the meaning of the text. Are those in conflict? I would say they're not in conflict. I would say they're not in conflict, but there's there is a wrong way to make Christ the focus of a text. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. go to Christ, but not focus on the specific uh, meaning of the text in the historical context that it was written. Yeah, I would agree. So but, I mean, yeah. but Jesus does say, "I've come to fulfill all of this, every jot, every tittle." So every I that's dotted, every T that is crossed, I am fulfilling absolutely all of it. And so I think if you have a sermon that never gets to Christ. Right, it's not a good sermon. So right. I would agree. I mean, I agree. We we are lockstep with what right. we are what yeah. we are saying. We, we preach. It's the just word. a little bit. It's just how, how it's just you a get nuance. it. Yeah, it's just how yeah. you get it. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. We and I think that's right. I mean, we preach the word, but we're Christians, mm-hmm. so we believe the word always brings us to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Every text. Um, uh, I'll give a little plug for one of my seminary professors. He wrote a book called Jesus on Every Page, right? And that's the reality. Is that Jesus is on every single page. He's connected there. Every single road in the text leads to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the central focus uh, of, of the whole thing. So like Paul says in 1 Corinthians one twenty three, but we preach Christ crucified. So not simply Jesus, because I've heard somebody tell me one time the gospel is basically Jesus is Lord. But that's not the gospel enough. If all you're saying is Jesus is king... That's not enough. It's Jesus Christ crucified for our sins and risen again. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the gospel. That's the sum and substance right there. Mm-hmm. He is Lord, but if you forget that cross thing, yeah, you, you forget the forgiveness of sins yeah, right. yeah, yeah. and justification. Yeah. He became a curse for us. Yeah. That's right. First yeah. Corinthians 15, I, I, things I received, I've delivered unto you. So here's another good way to know if you're listening to a bad sermon. If at the end of the sermon, the focal point was you, 
right. or the focal point was something else other than Christ, it was a bad sermon. And so if it's how God can make you better, right. how God can do this for you, and it's all about embetterment of you. God can make you richer. God can make you faster. God can make you, God wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm. All this stuff about you, which there's some truth in all of those things that we can see in Scripture. Uh, there is benefits of God loving us and things that mm-hmm. he has done for us. But when it's all about us, bad sermon, I'd say don't listen. Don't listen mm-hmm. to that pastor. Don't right. listen to that. Don't read that book. There, there can be a very soft moralism in churches. Mm-hmm. Whenever you go to a church, and even conservative churches, the subtle message is, Jesus loves you, do better. Right. And, if, and that is not what the gospel no. is. Or you're okay, do better. Here's, a couple, here's three principles to help you love your kids more this week. That's not Christian preaching. Right. That is not. That is, that is soft law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not even really preaching the law as it should be preached no, in yeah. its holiness, uh-huh. because then the law is always meant to convict us and drive us out of ourselves to Jesus mm-hmm. every single sermon. And I need that as a believer. Yeah, and even every what Sunday. I hear now, I hear even, even, I don't know if I would say worse than that because they're both wrong, but even now I hear, generally, you're really not that bad. Right, right. And God loves you, so let's be happy about right. that. And it's like, that's... Even I mean, you're not even telling them to do something better. You're just telling them, hey, you're pretty good where you are, right? And God loves you, so let's all go have a good day, right? And that's sending a lot of people to hell. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And I think I'd echo all of us. Like, this is what I do. I preach, right? I I try to study God's word. I try to do this, and so nothing burns me more than hearing bad preaching mm-hmm. or nothing breaks my heart more than a member of our church coming in suggesting a book to me that when I look at it, the only thing that book should be used for is to light a fire. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's not out of anger. It's out of being like brokenhearted over yeah. it. And and I think I'm trying to think of how to compare it. And I, my mind goes to sports, which maybe is wrong, but I loved basketball. And so for me to watch bad basketball was frustrating or for me to play in a game that was bad basketball was not worth my time Mm -hmm. and it's not saying well you just think you're better than everybody else no number one i'm afraid of getting hurt because you're not playing right and i'm going to try to play right right i want to i want plays and i want defensive strategy and i want to think through this but you're just running around crazy i'm going to get hurt so in other words you're never going to play basketball (laughs) with me right (laughs) (laughs) but how that can get He's just scared of us. Right, yeah. I don't want to get hurt. He might get hurt. <laughs> yeah, I might get hurt. What a wuss. Well, well, that's fine. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. That's, that's, perfectly fine. All right, so we'll go outside later on. It's okay. Don't, sure. Yeah. But you guys get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm yes. sure we all have that in yeah. our life, things like that. And so some people might look at us, I guess, as preachers and just say, you need to get over it. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But unlike the basketball game, mm-hmm. this is a big deal yeah. because heaven yeah. and hell is on the line. I mean, the truth of God's yeah. word is on yeah. the line. To me, there is no more important task yeah. than preaching God's word in the world. What happens to me when I see something like that is I'll be listening to that sermon and I'll hear the pastor talk, and we've already used the example a little bit, but they'll be talking more from their own personal life or their mm-hmm. own experience or their own or worldly wisdom. And I would just, I'd see right there in the passage, there is a glorious truth that is so much better yeah. mm-hmm. than what you are talking about right, right now. This, that would be so much more helpful to people. Like I genuinely, I believe that, you know, you as a preacher, you genuinely want to help the people you're teaching and you're preaching to. I think that's probably true of most preachers. Mm-hmm. 
but it's like you're not giving them what would truly be helpful to them. Mm. There's something more helpful, and you've missed it. You just completely mm. missed it. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're giving them cheap platitudes. Right, right. Yeah. So we want to preach Christ. We want to preach the Word because we believe the Word leads to Christ. Um, I like this quote from Charles Simeon. My endeavor is to bring out of Scripture what is there and not to thrust in what I think might be there. I have a great jealousy on this head, never to speak more or less than I believe to be the mind of the Spirit in the passage I am expounding. It's a really good goal, I think, for all of us as teachers and interpreters of God's Word to simply just be faithful to the text and trust that the text will bring us to Christ um, because, you know, it ultimately is all about Him. Mm-hmm. He is the Word, yeah. and the written Word will always point us to the, the incarnate Word. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways, though, as we think about expository preaching, how, how can we make sure that we are not just preaching on our favorite topics or our favorite Scripture passages, even if we're being faithful to those passages? Yeah. How can we make sure that we're not just picking and choosing our favorites? I think this is where accountability to... Um, Elders, Scripture speaks of, of elders, which can be replaced for pastors, overseers, bishop, but where you have a plurality of it. And so, um, you know, we're fortunate enough here at this church, we have we have staff. Like, I'm not the only pastor even on staff, and so I can talk with you guys pretty regularly, which is nice um, to bounce ideas off of and, and to be held accountable to, right, to open that up. But even in a even in a smaller church setting, I believe what Paul establishes is he tells Timothy, right, to find men um, who would be elders, who would be pastors with him in the church, maybe not paid or whatever. But the reason for that, I think one of the reasons for that is what you're talking to here. There's an accountability aspect there where Timothy's not the head of the church. Mm-hmm. He might be the pastor and he might be leading it, but he's also leading it with some other men. Mm-hmm. And yes, there needs to usually be like one voice that can help you know, and lead the leaders, so to speak, but who can have a say, right? Just for that reason to say, hey, you keep quoting this one passage like every sermon, like it always comes back to this topic or whatever, that there's more to the God's word than that. Like we we need to hear that together. Yeah. And so um, I think that's one way. The other way is just simply preaching through books of the Bible mm-hmm. and, and committing yourself to it to say, I'm not going to avoid mm. whatever comes up, we're going to, we're going to right. yeah. we're going to talk it. Yeah. So I mean practically how we've done that as a church Tim just to talk about what you've just said. Mm-hmm. I mean the sermons that we are now preparing and going through they were planned 6 months ago or more. Mm-hmm. Um you know back at the beginning of January or end of December. And so you know where we're at now wasn't decided two weeks ago. It wasn't decided two mm-hmm. days ago, mm-hmm. and so that protects whoever's preaching, in a sense, from just the whims of their own, mm-hmm. uh, you know, desire or whatever's going on in the media right now. And so, um, uh, but so there was a plan that was done ahead of time. That's one way. And then another thing that we did is that you weren't the only one, Tim, that made that plan. Uh, all of us were in on that conversation. All yeah. of the pastors. <laughs> We're there to give input uh, to kind of lead where we felt like it needed to go, and so it was a it was a group mm-hmm. decision. Even though everybody there wasn't the main one that was going to be preaching, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah, that's wonderful collaboration and um, consecutive expos. That's the we would call that consecutive expository where you go straight through books. 
Um, it was a time-honored practice. Really. Yeah, which, I mean, I mean, if we're being honest, we didn't necessarily do this year, right? We did the life of Christ, and so we bounced around a little bit in his life, and we talked about that together. And then we kind of did some exposition in Romans 12 mm-hmm. to fifteen seven. And now we're getting ready to enter a time of the book of Psalms, of which we didn't really nail down specific Psalms, but we want to hit mm-hmm. different uh, topics, I guess, that mm-hmm. the Psalms hit might be the best way, might be the best way to say that. But but then we will, because we're going to get into Samuel, first and second mm-hmm. Samuel, where we are going to mm-hmm. go through those specifically. And we picked that for a reason and a purpose and a, during a certain time yeah. and all this stuff, like we were really trying to be prayerful mm-hmm. um, through that. But yeah, like, the first sermon series I did last June, Galatians, and we mm. just walked through Galatians mm-hmm. um, together, mm-hmm. and that's why it's just it's helpful on many many fronts, in my opinion. I love the story of a famous preacher um, who was uh, preaching through a, a passage of scripture. This has been this is during the Reformation times, and he and he was run out of town, and then whenever he uh, was eventually invited back to the town, he got into the pulpit, and it would have been a great time for him to kind of gloat or whatever, but you know what he did? He picked up at the very next verse that he had left <laughs> off of yeah. the next time, and it was a wonderful message. This isn't about me. Right. This is, I'm simply here to tell you what the book says, because right. I can't save you, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. these words, Christ can use them yeah. to change your heart and your life, mm-hmm. and that's what we do. We, um, I love, is it Psalm 12? Um, where he talks about the fact that in the midst of all the voices around us, and there's all sorts of, and we see that with, uh, if you've got a smartphone, there's tons of voices <laughs> all over in the media and social media, um, all over, but only the Lord's words are pure words and true words mm-hmm. and sure. And um, only those things are the ones that we can trust. So, what place should the preaching of the word have in our worship service? What place should we give it? Well, I mean, we've been talking about all kinds of different aspects of our public worship mm-hmm. gathering, um, prayer, singing, uh, public reading of scripture, and now we've come to this, and I think it has a place along with those. You know, I, I do think it would be unfair to say it's the most important necessarily because we find importance in in all of them uh for sure right we can't we can't we can't minimize that but it is special to be Mm -hmm. gathered together as the body of christ all of us together to sit under the preaching of the preacher who god has called and led to our particular congregation and in our place there's something very special to that above and beyond like a small group setting mm-hmm. bible study personal devotion time all that is like the man that god has placed for us to lead what has god put on his heart mm-hmm. for us together as a community right. here? i think that ties into the fact too of um tying that into the to the thing of ordination mm-hmm. is that paul says that in order for you know whenever he connects preaching what does he say he says they have to be sent yeah, Romans. You can't just send okay, yourself yeah. right. to do this. And you can't so and it it just means that the Lord uses and and by the recognition of the whole church. Right. saying we recognize that these people, these men are 
are gifted and called by God to this special office. Yeah, and that's so important. I mean, just the question, you know, of who can preach then? Who who's called who's called to do that? And I'll be honest, man, I've had many I've had a lot of people come to me saying, I'm called to preach that I've told no. It's not a fun conversation. It's not a good one to have, but it's like, no, you're not. Mm. Well, who are you to tell me God's not calling me to preach? Well, you're not going to preach unless you're sent, and you're not going to be sent by us because Mm. God's not telling me that you're called to preach. And I don't think it's a singular thing, right? You know, that happens here. I mean, we all through Scripture was like verified with other people. I mean, right. they send Paul out, right? Yeah. Paul grabs Timothy and Titus. This is your, you know, and and I've had that experience in my life with people I've seen. It's like I think I think God's calling them to preach, and eventually they start. Mm-hmm. I think God might be calling them to preach. Yeah, I think so too. Right, and it's confirmed. It's a it's a confirmed thing, and mm-hmm. it's not it's not magic. It's nothing like right. that. But I've had a lot of men disqualify themselves to me personally because of laziness. Like, what, what should I do? And you tell them, well, I think this needs to be done. I don't have time for that. <laughs> you ain't got time to preach, man. <laughs> right? Then you, no. Yeah. Remember, you have to labor <laughs> yeah. in preaching, right? Labor right. in the Word. <clears throat> it takes hard. It's hard work. Mm-hmm. And so not all are called to preach. I don't think it's good to stand on a Sunday morning. Who has a word for us today? The answer is easy. The preacher does. Right. The preacher has the Word. He has God's Word, and he's been the one called to do that. Right. So, that's who it is. Well, and I mean that—that's the point of the herald too. Right? Yes, he's the one that God has sent. Yes, right. And it doesn't mean that he's morally superior to nope. everybody else. Right. Doesn't mean that he's—you know—it just simply means that the Lord has sent him mm-hmm. to hear the word that he himself needs to hear too. Yes. Oh, and right? has usually. and has heard it, has meditated <laughs> oh, yeah. on it, been convicted by it, uh-huh. and probably doesn't want to preach it because feels like a hypocrite. Right. Right. All these different things. Yeah. Uh, I think kind of what you're getting at, this is a little bit of a shift, but what you were talking, Tim, about people have come to you and said that, they, that they've that they been called to preach, that they want to preach, and you tell them no. It, a lot of times how they respond to that will show what their heart is mm-hmm. in their desire to preach. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen is that a lot of times they care more about how preaching makes them feel right. than the benefit it brings to the hearers. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. reality is, is that sometimes if you are simply not a good preacher, yeah you're not going to benefit your hearers. You might actually impair mm-hmm. the hearers mm-hmm. further. Sure. And so what's better for you to do is, number one, maybe you just need to study a little bit or try or grow mm-hmm. in your gifting. But if at some point it shows that this is simply not your gift, we could talk about spiritual gifts on a different podcast. There are many other ways for you to serve sure. your church. Yep. Yeah. But if your response to being told that you should not be a preacher is to be angry and upset because this is something you want to do and you are called to do. Well, clearly your preaching is more about you than it is your hearers, yeah. mm. which that's never the way preaching is presented in the Bible. Mm. Or sometimes people will come to me, Pastor, the Lord has given me a special word that I need to share. And I'm like, well, he's given us the Bible, so I don't need to hear your special word. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't say he, he this took to them. The, like, he, he took the time to inspire it, <laughs> yes. so yeah. Yeah, and so to me, that's like one of the things. If, if, if someone come into my office, I think I'm called to preach. I have a special word from the Lord. You're not being sent from here. I mean, you're going to have to go somewhere else because I, that's not true. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just not. Mm-hmm. And you might say that doesn't happen often. It actually does. Mm-hmm. It happens quite a bit. I hear that from people. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like checking the no box right off the bat because like we've been talking about, I'm not here to share Tim's word. Right. 
of what I have. I don't have anything. I have we have God's word. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And go ahead, Scott. I was just thinking like maybe this is where you're going with this, but we've been talking about how we wouldn't just let anybody get up and preach. So the question is, what does qualify a preacher? Well, I mean, we see that in Timothy, and we see it in Titus, where it lays out the qualifications of the elders, right, of what that is, and the elders are are pastors. And then from, I I believe, from those elders that you have, um, God gives gifts to them. And, And it even says, like, with elders, they should teach. They should be people who can teach. And so... If you had a group of elders, say your church had like eight elders that you recognized and ordained as pastors and all this, I think out of that, you're going to see there's one who really has an ability to communicate well hmm. to a larger group in that setting. You might have somebody who's really good like in the classroom setting. You have people who are really good, you know, up in the up in the pulpit and preaching. And I, I think that's then your answer. That's hmm. who that's who preaches. I mean, and, and something we try to do here. Um, I preach the most, no doubt, but I don't want to preach all the time because I'm not I'm not the only pastor here, and so um, we want to trust our other pastors who have this ability and this gift to preach as well. We want to give them opportunity as well because we're on equal footing, right? We're not it's not Tim is better than Scott or Matt or mm-hmm. anybody else, and so then they they preach, and again, I think it's a decision we come to together hmm. that we do that, like. The reason Spencer did a video during this pandemic, it was purposeful. The reason then Scott does a video on this of a Sunday morning message mm-hmm. time. It's because I was being punished. You said it was being punished, <laughs> which is then I'm questioning your ability to preach if you should be preaching. Punishment. But no, we, we, we actually had those conversations. Remember? remember? Yeah. I mean, you guys remember. I was like, do you think I should be the only one doing this, or do we, should we have each other do it? What do you guys think? What's it as that display to the church? Mm-hmm. What is it? And we came up, we should, let's do that. You'll, mm-hmm. you know, I would do it the most, but you guys will do some too. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Well, and there is a, an aspect where I do think that whenever we hear from multiple voices, um, and I've been in a situation where I was basically the only guy you know, and yeah, so you yeah. mean, and, and uh, me too. Yeah, and you were there too. I mean, it was when you're in a small church. Yep. That's it, and you got to do what you got to do. But one of the dangers of that can be that you never get to hear the word. Mm-hmm. And also, whenever there's a collaboration, um, in some ways, it helps safeguard the truth because we all come with our strengths and our weaknesses. And mm-hmm. but I and I want and I people, think that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I want our I mean. people to see. That it's not Pastor Tim who has the special word. Like when Pastor Tim's up there, I'm there. Right. But when when Pastor Scott preaches, eh, that no, that's not true. It's not like I have the authority that you guys don't have. No, we we have mm-hmm. God's word together, mm-hmm. and this church has called us together. And so, again, there's an ability aspect to it. Mm-hmm. If we have a staff member, and it's like. You're just not that good at preaching. They can still be a pastor. Maybe they teach and do whatever. But it's like, yeah, you're just not that good at preaching. We don't need to have them up there, right? And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's an o. That's an okay thing. That right. might not be sure. their gift. But I think when you have multiple people who do have that ability, they they need to do that. And I think it shows your church again. This isn't Tim's gospel. 
there's been so many pastors before me who are faithful to God's word, right, and all this stuff. There you're, is a you're book in, called you're in the Bible. There's, there's two book books. Called, yeah, two of them. There's two books called uh, Wow. Wow. I know. I but mean. I, I just, because I, I've experienced that before. I even felt that before at times being on staff here. You know, it's like, well, I know you're saying that, but you're, you're the student pastor. What's Pastor Roy think? It's like, it don't matter. This is God's word. Like, this is true. It don't matter if I say it or if he says it. It's true. But yeah. yet it, sometimes it would come across as more authoritative mm. if it was the senior pastor. And I, I want to abolish that. Like, the authority needs to be God's word. Is mm. that the truth? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's the book say? Yeah, what's the book say? So those are the qualifications. What are some common things people will often look to as being qualifying to a person to preach that aren't actually qualifying to preach? Biblically, maybe. Oh, that people do, but maybe shouldn't. Yeah, sure. Like okay, you yeah, know, misconceptions like, uh, or you know, very personable, very flashy, very quick with the tongue, right? Maybe good sense of humor, maybe good looking, even. Um, I think I think you see those things. Like those people will rise up to the front and like kind of like a king Saul. Yeah, 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 like a king Saul type person. We want mm-hmm. we want you to lead. Um, Again, so, to again, me, another sign of a scary church. I'm trying to give like some practical things as we go through this. Another sign of a scary church. I'm starting to find this to be very true. If you go to their website and the pastor's picture is huge on it and everything they do in promotion is like him or his wife or things like this, I would probably stay away from that church because it's driven by his personality, mm-hmm. not the church. So right. just because a person is a gifted public speaker doesn't mean they're called to preach. Right. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. What else? Yeah. Uh, the richest person, the person with the most money. I, I mean, mean, I think I mean, you see that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you could be just really good, really have a ton of Bible knowledge yeah. and, and be a good person. But, that's, you know, just because you're very smart um, and God has blessed you with knowledge of the Scriptures doesn't necessarily mean that you have the ability to communicate that. Mm-hmm. And... um I think you can go on two extremes. Sometimes you get the flashy, and on the other side, you get people who are very super pious, mm-hmm. to where they they really do are able to interpret the scriptures really well, but they're just not able to communicate it. Sure, but you're supposed to let them bless you because you know what I mean. It's almost pious to be really bad at, at communicating. Yeah, and that's not what the Bible is. Whenever Paul says, "I didn't come to you with flashy words," basically, that's not what he's saying. He's I, not saying that not saying, you're boring. Yeah, he's not saying, guys, as boring as you can be, that right, shows no. the spirits there. That's not what he's saying either. Yeah. I'd um, also say, just because your dad's a pastor doesn't mean you're a pastor, uh-huh. right? It doesn't get handed down that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can happen. It has happened. It, Spencer is uh, is one of those the things. good looks too. I mean, but <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> what about the role of like biblical biblical education? Is that required to for a person to be a preacher? No, no, not necessarily. But there does need to be where you can handle God's word well, because mm-hmm. I have seen that mm-hmm. where I've heard a sermon that was bad, and they're like, "Well, why was that bad?" And it was said, and my response would be, "I can tell they haven't been educated in God's word." Oh, so you're saying they have to go to seminary? Well, no, number one, I, I haven't been to seminary. I mean, I was in Bible college. I did have that. I wish I could go through seminary. I see the benefits of it. But it no, I, I, I can tell that pastor didn't handle God's word well because they just yelled a lot or whatever. <laughs> they didn't address that passage. I, mm-hmm. I didn't hear any studying behind what they just told me, mm-hmm. right? And so you right. still have to have that. It can't yeah. just be 
well, I have God's word and I want to preach. And so I'm just going to read it and yeah. say what I'm going to say. No. So maybe a way to clarify is like a degree is not necessary, but you do need to be educated. Yeah, absolutely. Because so making an error, like, I mean, even in the book of James talks mm-hmm. about not many of you should become mm-hmm. teachers because you will be judged mm-hmm. for what you say. Right. And a preacher that is preaching falsely mm-hmm. or making mistakes, mm-hmm. and even if you're not intentionally leading yeah. people astray, you that's one of the reasons I would encourage, if it's not a degree, self-educate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you right. need to understand the weightiness of what you're doing. Right. Yeah. yeah, and we understand that here, I think. We've tasked ourselves as a staff and as a church, we feel it necessary to train these men who we feel God is calling. And, you know, we encourage them to go to school or seminary, but the fact is we're a Southern Baptist church in the north, and the Southern Baptist Convention doesn't throw a lot of money up to the north when it comes to seminaries and education. We just don't see that. And so, you guys are stuck up and already smart enough, apparently. We probably are. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's going to be proven well, you now. Said you, you said it's going to be proven read. now when I answer this you question. You said I couldn't read. But yeah. <laughs> well, you said you were preaching because you were punished. Yeah. But That's a good point. That's a good point again, yeah. But we have seen it our job as Monroe Missionary Baptist Church to train them. Mm-hmm. And so we want to train them. They will not get a degree from us. I guess we could print a certificate if we wanted to, but it means nothing when they present it to some other church. (laughs) But we want to do our best to train them to handle God's word. And I believe there's been so many faithful churches in the past who've done that. Mm. And you've seen just dynamite pastors who've loved their congregation, preached God's word well, died without any recognition, Mm. but they've left behind them faithful Christians. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have a degree. Right. Right. They didn't have it. Again, not villainizing degrees. I think they're very helpful yeah. from proper yeah. places. No, you're right. We, there is a certain level of equipping and training. And I guess, too, I mean, that's going to be different in our context than it is in, like, if you're out in the jungle somewhere, I mean, the level, you've got to appoint somebody to be a leader. Yeah. yeah. And you've got, you know, I mean, the, the, it's just going to vary based yeah. on uh, situation, but... Yeah. But we, you do need to have a certain level of competence yeah. in equipping and equipping. The illustration that was given to me by uh, my pastor uh, at one point in time was uh, about whether or not I need to go to Bible college was that, listen, God can use a rock to chop down a tree if he wants to, but it's a lot easier if the rock is sharpened and honed mm. uh, to be used yeah, you know, in his hands. And mm. so that's he, what he was teaching me was that that's essentially what you're doing when you take steps to either educate yourself mm. Uh, rigorously, or you do that, whether you do that through your own study or you do that through mm-hmm. going to an actual college mm-hmm. and being trained, is that all you're doing is you're becoming honed to be better used as an instrument in the Lord's hands. Right. And uh, and so that that's what he tried to encourage me. Well, and also, it's, it's important to remind ourselves, too, whether or not you go to seminary or Bible college or not, if you're going to be a pastor, you'd better be ready to learn throughout your yeah. whole ministry. And, I, yep. and it's not like you can just go and do this and fly off the cuff. Mm-hmm. You'd better be ready. I mean, to a large extent, and this is going to differ with each individual, but to a large extent, at a base level, a lot of the pastor's work is book work. Yeah. And, and like research almost. That's what it is. That's just the nature of our religion. It's a book religion. Yeah. Which is one of the most beneficial things I feel like I gain from actually going to Bible college. Right. Is how to do is that. Is how to do research, mm-hmm. how to study, yeah. how to write well. Yeah. Right. And things like that. Right. That's, Where to look. That's again mm-hmm. one of the disqualifiers I've seen from a lot of people. You know, when they come and they say, Well, what do you think I should do? And the response has been, I think you should go to school. 
I can't afford that. I don't have time. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. It's like, well, then maybe this isn't for you. Like that's, that's what is needed. You know, I'm, I'm sure if you guys all, if you look back in your life, I know for me, married kid, full-time job working 40 hours a Mm. week, leaving that full-time job to drive an hour and a half to a school Mm. to sit until 10 o'clock at night to drive home just to get up again in the morning at five something to go to work to do it again for a couple years. That stunk. It's (laughs) not fun, but I was determined. This is what God has called me to do. Like it was in my heart and this, this is going to help me. This is something I need. If I want to do it well, I got to know how to handle God's word. Mm. Well, right. I got to know this stuff. So I'll do what it takes. Yeah. You know, having that mentality, I'm going, it's, it was almost a humility thing. Mm. Like I'll do what it takes to be able to do this for the rest of my life. That's good. So the person who is going to preach the word needs to be prepared. He needs to be equipped. He needs to be called by his local church to the office, or Mm -hmm. we would give the exception if someone feels like they are called potentially and, and, and the church confirms that potential calling Uh to the ministry that those are the people that we're going to, we're not just going to, open up the pulpit. This is not open mic night. Right. No. Right. This is, this is, this is the, the sacred word of God. So, and so when we come together, we're hearing the word of the living God. Um, and preaching is the ordinary and normal way that the Holy Spirit gives saving faith, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. There's an old catechism that says the reading of the word, but especially the preaching of the word is the place where God creates saving faith in hearers. He's faith comes by hearing and hearing. Mm-hmm through the word of Christ. Um, so let's close with this thing before we uh, wrap up this podcast. What is Jesus doing through the preaching of his word? What is Jesus doing whenever we're here in the sanctuary and someone is faithfully proclaiming God's word? I think he's using it through the power of the Holy Spirit in their hearts and in their lives and in all kinds of different ways. I mean, it's amazing to see how God will do that, you know, as you as you preach a passage and sometimes, you know, people will come up after or, or later in the week and share and they'll be like this, man, God did this in my life through your mm-hmm. passage. And that might not even have been something I'd really even thought about specifically, but then they're saying it and I'm like, yeah, I, I definitely see how that applies mm-hmm. here. That was the work of Jesus, work of the Holy spirit. Um, Martin Lloyd Jones says this in his book, preaching and preachers somewhere, but he says, as faithful preaching goes down in the church, individual counseling goes up. Hmm. But as you preach faithfully, what you'll see is the Holy Spirit actually work in the hearts and the minds of people. Hmm. And when you let the Holy Spirit go and do its work, it's not. I'm not trying to come up with five things to make your life better. I'm hmm. preaching this passage and letting the Holy Spirit speak to your heart in this passage hmm. of what it says in your life now. He was just saying how he's been amazed in his ministry, how God uses that where his individual counseling would go down. Because God was doing that. He still had individual kindness, still mm-hmm. took place, but how the Holy Spirit would work in there. And that, that's what Jesus does as you preach faithfully. Mm. He impacts souls, impacts hearts. Mm. And th- this is a little dangerous what I'm about to say, but I would, I would actually encourage people, like if you're listening to this podcast and moving forward, if you do feel like when Pastor Tim, Pastor Spencer, or even myself preaches and God does use something that is said to encourage you uh, in the moment that you're in that you needed to hear, I, I would actually encourage people to share that hmm. with their pastor. Not in a vain way. Don't do it every Sunday because, you know, you're not trying to give your pastor a big head. And so that's not why I'm saying this. But 
it is a regular wandering of the pastor throughout the week as he's in his office studying, wondering, is God going to use this today mm-hmm. or, or on Sunday? Is this going to happen? And, uh, and so just that, when I hear that, I, uh, I, I obviously have to fight against getting a big head, but at the same time, it's a boost of confidence that hmm. the time that I spent trying to get to the point of the text and trying to share that with people as faithfully as I could, God used it. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's it's dangerous what I just said because it can lead to a big head. Mm. But at the same time, there have been times of discouragement in ministry uh, where I don't know if God is working, and little did I know behind the scenes these people over here were sharing with each other just how much they're growing through the series in Galatians right now. I had no idea. Like, I didn't know. I wish I would have known, you know, because I, I was discouraged that whole time, you know. And so, again, don't do it in a vain way or in a fake way. But, you know, if God has genuinely used something, share that with your pastor. Let him know. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Another thing that that Jesus is using through the preaching of his word is, I mean, just the gospel call. Mm. I mean, he's calling sinners to repentance. I mean, you see that. And then even following that, uh, this is kind of what you said, Tim, but like he's he's calling people to continue on their sanctification process. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. plain as that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, when I preach, you talk about what, what Jesus is doing. When I preach, I'm, I'm preaching. How am I going to say this well? I'm preaching to those who are saved with the understanding that the lost are in here. Yeah. And so I'm really trying to balance that out, but I'm going heavy to the side of preaching to those who are saved. And I'm trusting that Christ will speak mm-hmm. to the lost yeah. in that, right. right? Of saying, this is what I am. This mm-hmm. is what you can have, or this is the promises I have for you. Yeah. I'm drawing you to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trusting in that and hoping that mm-hmm. that, happens and instead of instead of trying to entice them in with with my words i'm hoping that the words i'm sharing to those who are saved god's using that to entice them that god is enticing them because i feel like if you're a good enough speaker you can do that on your own you know kind Mm -hmm. of manipulate Mm -hmm. and i really want to stay away from that because i'm afraid that i could do that Mm. and i don't want i don't want 15 people to come and sign something and say they got saved this morning because I was just really good with my words. Mm. Um, and so that speaks to something too of what you said about letting your pastor know, like Mm -hmm. that's just helpful to know God is doing that because you tend to start to think, God, you said you would use your word and I don't see it happening. Like I'm trying to be faithful to this and no one has come to me recently (laughs) and said they've gotten saved. This hasn't happened. This hasn't happened. I'm going to go this route instead. I'm going to start telling people to raise their hands if you want Jesus in your heart. I'm going to lead them in a cheap prayer, and I'm going to count them. And that's counting. Mm-hmm. It's going on the record. It's going on our ACP report at the end of the year, that the statistics that go out. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, that is something that can be tempting mm-hmm. to do when you're not hearing any feedback mm-hmm. of what's going on. And so, and oftentimes some... <laughs> I don't think that's the case here at our church, but sometimes the only feedback a pastor hears is negative feedback. Mm. 
mm-hmm. of what what people are unhappy about, mm-hmm. what they didn't like, mm-hmm. and you know all these other things. Yeah, that and, hasn't been my experience here. Yeah, not yeah, my, not I, mine I, either. I like you said that too. People yeah. have been very gracious. Yeah, not mine either. Yeah, very yeah. gracious. That's wonderful. Yeah, Jesus is is working through the preached word. Jesus is saving, calling people to Himself, opening the eyes of the blind, um, healing and restoring and granting the forgiveness of sins that we need. And it's wonderful to know that um, whenever his word is preached, he's faithfully present, and we get to hear his gospel once again every week, the gospel that we need, the same gospel that saved us when we first mm-hmm. believed is the same gospel that I and all of us need to hear week after week after week that he has done it. I was just reading earlier this week um, the wonderful uh first chapter of Revelation, and it says Jesus is the one. He's, so, he's called the ruler of the kings of the earth, but it says at the beginning, it says, he has freed us from our sins mm-hmm. by his blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we proclaim every week. And and uh, and so that's a wonderful message, a high but honor. Can I say this too? Just yeah. yeah. So I feel like I, I said it. Um, the most, when it comes to preaching, the most loving thing I feel I can do as being the one who's been called to, to preach the most here. The most loving thing that I can do is to preach well and to preach faithfully. Mm. There's a lot of different job descriptions and requirements on a pastor, visiting, mm. phone calls, you know, keep up with the building, like all these different things that we, that we do on a regular basis, trying to think through all these different things. And, and people see a lot of those other things, I think, when the pastor visits or when the pastor calls or the pastor sends a gift or acknowledges my kid and gives him a sucker or whatever, you know, all these little things that, again, there's nothing wrong with those and they're, they're good. The most loving thing that I can do being called to preach is to preach God's word faithfully, to give you God's word mm. faithfully. And the most loving thing I think a church can do for their pastor which we're going to talk about in the next episode, but is to allow the preacher to do that, mm. to give him time to do that well and to see that act as loving, mm-hmm. right? I mean, for me, and I, again, I'm not perfect at this. So I'm not trying to set myself up. I pour my heart into a message, mm. right? God has worked it in my heart. I've went through the guilt. I've went through the shame. Hopefully, I've gotten through the grace. He's given me the grace. And then the thing is like, I love you guys so much. You need to hear this good news. And so everything in me is wishing and desiring that everybody would fall on their face before God's word and Mm -hmm. repent or rejoice or praise or whatever that passage tends us to do. And so often we don't get to see those results, right? And right. so then you almost leave kind of downtrodden. And I'm not trying to say a pity party. I'm just trying to say this is what we put into it. And I do that because I think that is the most loving thing I can do for this congregation. Yeah. That That's it. And so when I come in the office and study, it's, it's out of love, right? And read, it's out of love. And mm-hmm. try to craft a sermon, it's... It's out of love. I mean, that's why we do, or how we order a service, why we're doing it. Like, it's really, mm-hmm. it's the most loving thing we feel we can do. Amen. And so I want people to understand that. I hope they, I hope they see that, and I hope they. It'd be much easier for me to sit in the back pew mm. each week, you know, and just listen and go home. And, mm. But uh, I can't do that because God hasn't mm-hmm. hasn't called me to that. <laughs>
Right. Right. It's very good. It's the ministry of the word. Um, well, thank you very much for listening to us and for joining us for this discussion. We hope it's been beneficial to you. Um, and so we, we look forward to being with you next week as we uh, look to next week about how to listen to preaching. Take care. God bless. God bless.